And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medis podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Thushikin Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in intervention. It's just the two of us today. We are going to be talking a little bit about what's been going on in MedTwitter this week. But Thushikin, how have you been? What's been happening this week? Uh, I've been good, thank you. Um, I've got my holiday beard on, so had the week off after my nights uh, and we went glamping. Uh, that's right yeah mate. yeah, so yeah. I, asked, I asked for some advice <laughs> online about it and you know took some advice so we took like a whole load of things to kind of cook on the barbecue thing was that it had like its own kitchen so i did the barbecue the first day and then i was a bit fed up with like smelling of smoke <laughs> so then we just used the cooker um uh it was really good i had a really good time there were loads of spiders and wasps and I wish I'd have thought about taking some kind of wasp repellent thing because they, it was really stressful. Like the number of times I had to get wasps out of the tent. Oh, um, okay. But it's, it's, okay. it's good overall. The kids had a good time, I think. Um, and yeah, I feel kind of rested. How about you? Have you had a good week? Mate, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been uh, work as always. Um, yeah, I, I've been going to the gym more often, which is good. Uh, yeah. That's always a good positive. Yeah, I enjoy that. That's good. Um, but I mean, I'm about to go glamping soon. It's not something I normally do. And I've always thought to myself, why would anyone, you know, yeah. like as a, as a, a race, or I guess is the, maybe the best race, we've kind of evolved to the point or got to the point where we live in houses for a reason. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't go live in tents. And so, um, I think the first time I ever did any sort of camping style thing is when I went up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro back in secondary oh, yeah. medical school during that summer. And um, I thought, I'm never going to go into a tent ever again in my life. <laughs> it was the worst experience ever. Like, it was the worst. And so um, this time, I thought glamping seems all right. Like, it seems like it's a bit more nice. Um, but I've kind of, like I was telling you, it's not far from where my in-laws are. So if it gets a bit rubbish... Um, I'm going, but I'm bailing. I'm going to just go back to my in-laws and just stay there for the night and then uh, forget the whole glamping thing. But I'm giving it a go. Let's see how it goes. It's um, quite nice. I think like recently with the kid, like, especially with Lil's anyway, she will, if you, if we kind of, um, sometimes when Erin wakes up really early in the morning, we try and placate them with, you know, our phone just to buy like an extra 10 minute sleep or whatever. <laughs> but Lil's yeah. like, sometimes there'll be adverts playing and she'll just watch it and watch it and watch it. Just like, it'll be whatever. But she mm. probably watched Static, like just she just stare at that <laughs> ages. So and, true. And so we kind of thought, at least with glamping, it's an opportunity to kind of like break away from the screens and stuff, and just encourage her to. I mean, we went for three nights. Um, three. Was, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know, right? And yeah. um, it's kind of cool. Like you know, we kind of did a bit of exploring. We played some games. We uh, uh, read a book. Um, read a book as in a longish book. <laughs> and it was it's good i i thought as like a bit of a kind of deplugging thing so i definitely would mm. go again um, oh, really okay but definitely at the time i was like this is a very white thing to do this is very yeah good. i was thinking i didn't want to say it but yeah i was like wow he's he's gone full he's gone full. yeah i mean fair yeah. enough it's gonna happen but he's, he's gone, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but actually the place i'm going to is not far from your parents so you're you're thinking yeah, maybe yeah. trying it out if it's if it's any good yeah um, so um yeah on to twitter this week we um 
I mean, I thought it'd be quite a good one to start with. Layla, who uh, turns up on our podcast every night. I wonder if she actually listens. I bet she doesn't. Anyway, uh, Layla. She's too cool. She's too cool. Yeah, she's funny. I mean, she isn't she? I mean, she yeah. just. I think when she pops up on my feed, I'm like, how are you like? I don't know. This awesome. It just comes. Yeah, across awesome. like literally awesome. the place where she lives. It looks really like arty, and the decor is yeah, really cool. Yeah, and she knows all the thing. kind of hip restaurants yeah. and stuff. That's why I'm like, cool, she probably cool. does listen to podcasts, but it's probably from some like really niche like podcast <laughs> that's based like somewhere else, and it talks about kind of jazz music and types of coffee <laughs> beans somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she had this tweet. I had a surgeon play Eric Clapton's Layla in theatre as I was transferring a patient today. Quite nice to have my own theme tune, really. And yeah, theme tunes, eh? What, what would your theme tune be, Trusha? I have so, I have so many. Like I remember, like this is crazy. Taylor Swift, yeah. Hmm. No, but like as a sixteen-year-old, I definitely used to have like a bit of a like you know one of the kind of many daydreams I'd have. Be one would be what would be my WWE entrance music. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that <laughs> probably have to be some kind of like metal song. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it'd have to be metal. I mean, I don't think it'd be hip hop. Um, oh, it have to be metal because it'd have to kind of encompass like you know the rage of my teenage life but kind of now you know being a kind of uncool camp middle-aged man dad <laughs> thing I'd probably embrace it and go for like Bonnie Tyler holding out for a hero and you know oh yeah yeah okay. so like you know in the cath lab I'd want that song playing like ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Uh, how about yourself I mean, since becoming a Ray Donald, I've always thought to myself it would be um, it would be "Dancing in the Dark" by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, it seems wow! To be an appropriate song, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't you think it seems appropriate, like you know, doing what I do in my job. Uh, yeah, right. the dark yeah, that's the a time. good one. Um, but I think um, you know, like, I don't know if you know. Have I said this to you? I've always been a massive fan of Nassim Hamed, the boxer, to oh, the yeah, point that yeah. I actually wanted my son to, I wanted to call my son Nassim, but everyone, once they realized why, it got banned. <laughs> like, it just got completely, like, completely done out straight away. It, just, it was gone. Never going to happen. But uh, to me, he was like, you know, the first time I'd seen anyone that was a Muslim person on TV that was kind of just doing really cool stuff. And it was just an amazing, to me anyway, I don't know what other people think these days, but even when I look back at his boxing career, I think, man, this guy was just awesome entertaining he was a fantastic boxer and he i think when he fought kevin kelly he had this ridiculous song it was called uh by red rap uh, i can't remember what it's called maybe you should type it and have a look at it if anyone's interested yeah. but he, uh, or just look at the entrance because he did this entrance and it just cracked me up it was just so ridiculously nasim hamid and it was a phenomenal fight was it, it was, a flying carpet like, no, that was later on, and he ended up losing that one. I think you're talking about when he came on to Puff Daddy, and I think he went to fight um, uh, uh, Karen Marco something. I can't remember his name. I don't know. I can't be able to forget. But against Kevin Kelly, he just walks out to this ridiculous like reggae kind of track, and right. um, he's just not taking himself very seriously, and it was hilarious. And I always thought that would be uh, – I'd just do the same thing as him. He just seemed to be cool. Um, do you, know, do you yeah. know his son – it shows how old we are. Yeah, yeah. His, his bo- sons, his sons are boxers now. now. Yeah, yeah. That's He's got two sons are. and they're both boxers now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So they're coming up now. But yeah. he's um yeah, man. I'd lo- I'd love to meet that guy one day. He was uh, he was awesome. I still think he's awesome. I know he'd lost that fight and people are like, oh, I should have come back, but I always think to myself, like, when people say stuff like, Oh, you know, boxers should come back, you're basically asking them to go into a ring, get punched in the face, yeah. yeah. And as at some point in his life I thought, you know what? I don't want to be punched in the face anymore. Yeah, I just don't want enough. to. I can't be bothered. I remember yeah. like, I, I mean, I can't saying like, oh, like, I can't wait to like one day just kind of not have to do this anymore and just get fat. 
and I remember the way he said it. I was, I could feel, I felt, I felt it because I was like, I see what you mean. You know, like you just have to kind of be on it, like all of the time, like you know, your whole, your gear, like everything's geared towards it, like your diet and everything mm. you do, and then. I do wonder what drives them, though, because, like, in truth, after especially someone like Amir Khan, he's been very rich for a very long time. Like, mm. you know, he he was well into the millions by the time he was in his early 20s. He could have stopped a long time ago. Mm. But then whenever you listen to these boxers, they're always about leaving a legacy. They want everyone to be know that they're the undisputed champion. And I think someone like me would be like, you know, what? I don't need you guys to know whether I'm champion or not. I think I'm pretty good. And, um, <laughs> I've just had a payday, so um, yeah, yeah. you won't be seeing me again. <laughs> that would be like my entire career: one fight, one lose or win. I've got my paycheck and I'm gone. I don't need anything else. But um, I think Mayweather said it pretty well. He was like, "Look, anyone who t- steps into that ring will believe that they're the best fighter in the world, and therefore would want to prove it." So fair enough. Like, mm-hmm. I guess that's what puts him in there. I mean, who in their right mind wants to get punched in the face, man? I don't know. Is anyone yeah. out there? I mean, you quite you quite like MMA. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I can't watch that stuff anymore. Yeah, I didn't like getting hit in the face. Um, Who I, I quite like Mike Tyson's line, wasn't it? Like, um, uh, everyone has a plan, a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> so true, isn't it? <laughs> or so smacked true. in the mouth, isn't it? I think yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a plan until they get smacked in the mouth. That's yeah. probably true. Like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Um, it's nice yeah, to put that. so true. It is, it is. Um, um, yeah, he had some good lines over the years, yeah. He oh, did. Sorry, it's so speaking of lines, though, I just thought we'd move on mm. to Bella Rochetti's uh, tweet, yeah, yeah, which said, I oh, went on a training course today and got asked a dreaded fun fact question. Do you have a fun fact about yourself? She went with her second toe is bigger than my first toe, which, I mean, I also have that issue. Um, oh, really? Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah. yeah, it's a thing. I think it's I like... A, I mean, I've got a few things. I mean, I, what, your toes, my fingers, no, my fingers are double jointed, my elbow is double jointed, I can lick my nose, yeah, yeah. I can move my head as apple. I shrink my arm, this is nasty, really. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's gone the other way, That's my fingers. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. they're really double jointed. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, they are, that's probably the only, I don't know if there's anything fun about it. Uh, interesting, <laughs> maybe, possibly. <laughs> so what yeah. would you pick then as your fun fact? It wouldn't be to- It wouldn't be joint related, obviously, then. Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, what? what obviously, I'm, I'm clearly overcomplicating the situation, right? But what what constitutes a fun fact? What is fun? And what do they mean by that? Because yeah. obviously, you know, uh, to me, and the other thing is, like, the things that I enjoy are not necessarily things that other people enjoy, right? Oh, God. That's there the problem, go. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's too much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, you know, someone would be like, oh, yeah, I'm really into football. I like, no, mate, I find that boring. I can't do yeah. it. I mean, there was something on another tweet there, wasn't there? I, I can't remember which one it was. Wait, about, did like, you yeah, meet on. Sandra Bullock? Did you go to the premiere? No, yeah. So did you go to that? So no. this is, you're talking about back in Habs, okay? Yeah. Um, there were, I think for some reason, I think Habs was supporting a particular charity and then the charity allowed us to have tickets to go to a premiere. So I went to a premiere to a movie called uh, Proof of Life. We had Russell Crowe and Meg Ryan. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and I went there. It was quite nice. It was an amazing experience to turn up and be on the red carpet, walking around with all these stars and feeling like you're one of them. And people are, you know, they don't take photos either. Who knows to you? And then I think, <laughs> I think later on, another lot of tickets came out. And this time it was for Miss Congeniality 2. Yeah. Oh, right. And my parents would not let me go because the GCSEs were coming up. And I really <laughs> wanted to go. Right. And it's such a shame because people have watched Miss Congeniality 2, but no one's watched proof of life they don't know what on earth that movie is it yeah. just kind of died 
But um, uh, yeah, I didn't go, but Sandra Bullock was there apparently, and even did yeah. a speech and stuff at the at the um, Leicester Square Odeon and things like that. So yeah, I didn't go. You didn't go uh, either. No, I didn't go either. I was never allowed to go to these things, probably because of GCSEs, A levels, medical school. Yeah, it's such like, a shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, parents ruin everything. Yeah. But I thought that would, might have been your fun fact, but I guess. Yeah, no, it's not. No, I don't have any. I mean, the fun fact is going to be like the stuff that are true to both of us. Like one of the guys from our uni ended up being in a band uh, called No and the Whale. He was a drummer. Oh um, yeah. yeah, that was that was one guy. Is that a fun uh, fact about us? No, we can't. No, I, get, I mean, otherwise, it'd be people from school who started restaurants and big yeah. companies and stuff like that, done very, very well, who popped up in the papers and things like that. You know, um, I could lie and say I'm Riz Ahmed's cousin. Yeah, you're not. Fine. I'm, I'm, oh, you've not, met I'm Carl Kennedy as well. Yeah, I mean, so have you. Yeah, 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 yeah it's a fun yeah. fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Oh, have fun, have fun. No. Uh, aren't we boring? Why do people yeah. even listen to this? I don't know. Sorry, I don't know. Right, anyway, it's I bet you a whole load of people have just switched off now. Let's, let's, move, let's, on. let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Can I quickly just tell them this fun, this like, nice story? Yes, yes, go for it. Yeah. So, I yeah. it. so this is from Jamil Jan Kuchai. And, mm. oh, yeah, nice and it was quite nice. So he goes, let me tell you a story. This is Susan Lung, and he's got a picture of him and Susan Lung. And the post was made on the 14th of August, if you want to check it out. So he goes, she taught me to read and write in a single year when I was seven years old. I've been looking for Susan, hoping to thank her in person for almost 20 years. And then she surprised me at my reading last night. So I came to U the US at the age of one and a half years old, but I grew up in a household that only spoke Pashto and Farsi. So when I started kindergarten, I didn't know a single word of English. I don't think my teacher knew how to handle an ESL student. Uh, he used to punish me for not understanding this. I assume ESL meant like the limited um, use of English. Anyway, well, maybe, yeah. so he goes, we moved a lot in those days as my father searched for work and I went to three different schools in one year. I continued to struggle with my English. Then after first grade ended, my family went back to Afghanistan for the summer. I fell in love with Loga, but I'd completely forgotten all the English I'd learned in school. I remember on the morning of my first day in second grade, I could only recall 10 letters from the alphabet. I was way behind and on track to be left back. But then I had the fortune of meeting Miss, L Miss Lung. Miss Lung sat with me almost every single day after school, giving me extra lessons in reading and writing so I could catch up with the rest of the class. By the end of the year, I'd learned to read and write, and by third grade, I was winning awards for reading comprehension. After that, mm. my family moved a few times more, and I lost track of Miss Lung. For years afterwards, all throughout high school and college, I tried to find Miss Lung to thank her for everything she'd done for me. I searched Google and social media. I called my old school and visited the district office, but I kept hitting dead ends. The main problem was that I didn't know Miss Lung's first name. She'd always been Miss Lung to me. In my mid-twenties, I'd pretty much given up on the search. I figured Miss Lung had moved to a new state, a new life. But a few years later, after 99 Nights in Logo came out, so this guy's a successful author now, I should have mentioned. Someone reached out to me out of the blue on Facebook. It was Miss Lung's husband. Apparently, Alan Lung heard about an article I wrote for Lit Hub where I mentioned Miss Lung. He asked me if I wanted to speak with her that night. My family and I all gathered together for the call. My parents had been waiting to thank Miss Lung for years as well. When I finally got the chance to hear Miss Lung's voice, tears welled up in my eyes. I told her that everything I'd accomplished, I'd owed to her, and that I thought of her all the time, and I'd been searching for her for years. We all cried that night. Unfortunately, this was at the height of the pandemic, and we were still quarantined at the time. We promised to meet in the future. After that, my wife and I had a child. 
the Afghan government collapsed. My beloved grandmother died. I finished at Stanford and I published The Haunting of Haji Hotak. It was a hectic time and we lost touch. But then last night after my reading, Miss Lung's husband, Alan, rushed up to me, introduced himself and brought me over to Miss Lung. And seven-year-old me finally got to hug my second grade teacher again. We chatted and smiled and cried a little. I signed her book and tried to write on the page what I couldn't express with my voice, bless. I took down their numbers and invited them for dinner. My father always used to say in Pashto that every child is a rocket filled with fuel and all they need is a single spark to lift off into the sky. Miss Lung, he said, was my spark. Throughout my life, I've been blessed to encounter a series of remarkable teachers that have given me their time and consideration and knowledge, but everything really began with Miss Lung. And I thought it was important that people hear her story and that they know how much one teacher in one year can change a child's entire life. That's nice, isn't it? That is nice. It kind of almost relates to what Rosie uh, tweeted about. Uh, did you see that where she said nature versus nurture? Um, and then someone had written into, I guess it must have one of these papers saying, uh, there's another report which seems to blame society for the disparity in children's achievements. Failure baked in from early age at school. Uh, it was in on uh, August the 16th. Should it not also be acknowledged that inherited intellectual capacity plays some part in child's prospects? Children of high achieving and consequently high earning parents are clearly more likely to succeed. And the reverse is also true. It is not all about, all about material disadvantage. Genes are a factor too. Um, this Anna is another Webster. one that sort of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Anna Webster. And um, anyway, uh, this is just so, this is so kind of like uh, blind to your own privilege. And even when that, what you spoke about is so true and so how one person can um, help a child maybe you know come out and you're clearly quite intelligent and end up being quite high achieving and it's it's not about that's not about nature that was nurture as well wasn't it you know and there's so many you know let's say buffoons as it, as it were if that's the right phrase so who do very very who do remarkably well but it's just not as clever as others so um I, I just feel like I mean we've said this before society is just full of a situation we're in a situation where um the intelligence stuff is probably quite evenly distributed amongst the country but the the opportunities are not Absolutely. and therefore that's why you get you know certain sects of people doing really well and i'll tell you like back in um back in Habs, actually i i got a summer job and um, i was working in soup drug and there was a guy that i was working with mm. and me being the young man that i was i thought everyone else would do a levels too like i just thought that was a thing like everyone does a levels so i was talking to him one day and he was really smart. He'd pick up things really quickly. I noticed that he was very, very quick. And when I was talking to him, he like, had a really good memory and stuff. And I thought, man, this just I feel like I'm back at Habs. You know, like everyone at Habs was so clever. And there's another guy that I bumped into who's very clever. So one day I was talking to him and I was like, and he goes, what are you going to do next, mate? And I was like, well, I'm going to do my A-levels. I want to become a doctor. He goes, all oh, right, cool, man. Good for you. What about you? And he goes, yeah, I'm not clever enough for A-levels. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to, you know, work, work a super drug, maybe work my way up. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not clever enough? You're one of the smartest people I've met. What are you talking about? And he was like, laughed and kind of laughed it off like I was taking the mick, but I wasn't. Mm. He was really smart, like really, really smart. But the difference between us was that I came from an environment that I did and he came from the environment that he did and that it made him believe that he wasn't smart enough to do A-levels. I promise you, mate, that guy would have smashed it. I just know it if he yeah. just had half a chance, but he didn't. He the funny thing is that he's kind of like bought into the same thing that this person's bought into, that they felt kind of butthurt enough to write into a newspaper to say that maybe, you know, the kind of children of rich kids, you know, maybe there is kind of supremacy there. And it just kind of shows that not only are, like someone who's written something like this, that's not going to be a, someone from an underprivileged background that's going no, to have written this not. letter. It's going to be someone who is rich and probably has a, achieved a little bit because 
I mean, like, what, why else would you kind of defend that position? It just seems mm. like to me that not only do they have to, um, do, have they kind of been from a position of privilege whereby they've had wealth and they've probably achieved something, um, but they also have to feel that that was a kind of like divine right written in their mm. genes and that they've mm. kind of truly entered. Like the idea that actually the playing field isn't completely level is like completely balks because it just kind of shows the fragility that's there and that's mm. what i find kind of annoying really because not only do they have to have all of the material advantages but they also have to have the narratives that supports them as well <laughs> <laughs> of like yes you're also the hero of the story like, mm, I but know. i think the key thing here and i think this is something i've realized recently after I, and i mentioned this book before called the unfair advantage is that um they've never asked themselves what unfair advantages have they got to get them to where they've got to. And I think all of us, whether you, whether you realise or not, have got unfair advantage over other people. You've just got to know what they are. And some of us are going to use those unfair advantages to our advantage, and some of us are not, not even going to realise that they're advantage in the first place. Yeah. So, like, you know, for someone, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, um, maybe it's disingenuous in me saying that anyone could do radiology and anyone could do what I do. Because actually, when I look back, there's, there's glaring unfair advantages I've clearly had over other people which maybe makes it easier for me to do what I do. And the same for you, like for you to get into cardiology, to do what you do, there would have been unfair advantage. You bumped into the right person that helped yeah. you do the right things. You know, these are unfair advantages you need to recognize. So for you to turn around and say, oh, well, anyone could do what I do. It's not entirely true. And anyone could do what I do. Not entirely true. We'd always have to quantify the fact that there are massive unfair advantages that we have between each other, let alone the general population to do what we do. Um, but it's recognizing that. That's the problem. When people don't recognize they've got an unfair advantage, then they come out of this drivel where they're like, well, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it, everything was fair and uh, I was just clever enough and I worked really hard and that's how I got it. I've had no advice, you know, I, I made it from the bottom. I was like, no, mate, you didn't make it from the bottom. Yeah, exactly. They have to, it's just amazing, <laughs> though, isn't it? But I have to have that as well. Um, it, it kind of does move us on. There's this kind of like twee little tweet that I thought was kind of a funny mm. thing to mention, which is that, um, and it's relating to the film Children of Men. Have you seen Children of Men? I haven't yet. I've <gasps> heard about it so many times, so but I've good. still not watched so it. So good. I still not watched it. But anyway, I feel like we have this conversation a lot. Imran, have you watched it? Yeah, no. mate. You should watch it. It's really good, mate. Yeah. I feel like you'd like Clive Owen. I feel like he's someone. Yeah, yeah. I, of course. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen but a anyway, lot of things. Yeah. It's basically about a kind of um, a kind of post-apocalyptic world. Although one of the jokes is is that kind of actually maybe the apocalypse had just happened in England and every, like yeah, most of the world awesome. is probably fine. But anyway, hmm. there's somebody who's written a, a, something along the lines of it goes. So this is by Tom Wyman, health on and the handles at health unto death, health unto death. Last year hmm. there was this report which named Britain as one of the nation's best places to grapple with the effects of climate change, uh, given our climate given our climate and resources, so presumably relating to wind and solar power. And then they've written, just a shame about our, you know, personality. And I think that kind of like, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because like the privilege is there. But if you look at the mm. kind of nimbiest, like Brexit voting, about everything, oh, climate change doesn't even exist, kind of like culture that seems to be... Hold up, hold up. Let, let's take a step back here, though. I mean, they're saying that... Um, but, I mean, you could, the Britain is not self-sufficient, is it? I mean, not really. I mean, I think... I've, I've often thought about, like, why... 
you know, when you go back in history, why why was it the Brits that decided to go halfway around the world and just take over the whole place? And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that there wasn't very much going on in, in the first place in this country. Like they're probably growing potatoes. Like, you know what? I'm <laughs> potatoes. Me. I don't want potatoes look, anymore. Oh, but that's funny, isn't it? Because they went and they did all this stuff. They colonized everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, then they turned up the to same, Bangladesh right? and like, you know what? That's a mango. I like that mango. No, but Not look, only do I own that mango, no, I own but... all of you lot and everything else that you've got. You're now mine. Yeah, but... That's what they did. After all that... Because of potato. All, after all them mangoes, after all them spices and stuff, <laughs> they still haven't it's incorporated still bland. it. Yeah. They still haven't incorporated It's still salt and pepper, love. No, but lucky. the point is, there's a reason they left the, the island in the first place, because it, it wasn't that great. So if uh, you're going to say to me that, oh, you know, England's got a lot and it could survive on us. No, it couldn't. What are they going to survive <laughs> on? Potatoes again? Yeah. I'm sorry. There's only so many packets of crisps that you people can have. <laughs> you need to move on. You what do you need mean, the rest you of the people? world to... Oh, you know, I'm, well, I include myself in this because I do still classify myself as a Brit, even though some people in Dartford or whatever say I'm not. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, I, I yes. do. Uh, <laughs> I do still classify myself as a Brit. Well, but yeah, um, yeah. Go on. Sorry. Keeping on to things that are quintessentially British, should we talk about mm-hmm. tea bags? Did you see that? Yes. Tea bags oh, yeah, yeah. That came up, didn't it? We, I think that came at, like just after we'd done the podcast episode yeah, last yeah. week, so we never really talked about the tea bag. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, Thrusha, you do a bit of tea bag in your life. Tell us about the tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <mate. laughs> okay. allegedly, allegedly allegedly i wouldn't yeah, know there you go you so have it yeah. so okay this is in reference to um i think there's a tiktok video that kind of outlines about how um their dad works for the nhs and they got a little kind of um it's like the size of an old cd case um like mm, a flat yeah, well oh, more awesome. of a, the game of the Oasis album. I've always wanted the Oasis album. Yeah. Give it to me. Yes. It's like a little flat, me. flat sleeve, uh, CD <laughs> yes. shaped. It says a little treat to say thank you. Uh, and this yep, is from yep, Wor- Wor- Worcester. I was going to say Worcester. Worcester <laughs> Acute Hospitals NHS Trust. And um, it looks like it's a sing- single tea-, tea bag there, Jeff. Single tea, yeah. tea bag. Single tea bag. Yeah, so that, I mean, that bag. was to try and help them be pre- feel appreciated. Like, you yeah. know what? We appreciate you. Here is a tea bag for all yeah. the efforts, and um, and then I think they even uh, it was on No Context Brits it came up on, didn't it? Yeah. That Twitter account, and then the trust actually replied. Did you see that? They replied. <gasps> no, yeah, yeah, they replied. They said, um, "Actually, it's such a shame that a nice, uh, small, ge- uh, kind gesture has been taken in this way, or something like." That. They'd really tried to like defend themselves, like, "Mate, you gave someone a tea bag. How much I does mean, that cost come me? on." Come on. It's, it probably cost them more to get it packed by the company that was packing it than the tea bag itself. I mean, that's just how ridiculous that entire situation was. I did, mean, come on. Did you see yeah. like Mehul's take on it, which was uh, taking out the tea bag and on the back of the tea bag it says GMC referral? Uh, <laughs> yeah, something to make you feel better, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does feel a bit empty, isn't it? I mean, can't one, one tea bag after yeah. all the work and effort. This is one of the situations, again, is like, how do I make the workforce feel better? So give them a pay rise. Let's give them a tea bag. Tea no, no, no. Give them a pay rise. No, no, we're going to give it. Honestly, the tea bag's going to be the one. It's like, no, no, no. All the money you're about to spend on the tea bag, maybe just give them, like, I don't know, a bonus or something. No, no, no. I think the tea bag's going to be the one. We're yeah. going to be all over the papers. We're, we appreciate they're our gonna, workforce. They're going to love this. Trust me. Just trust me on this. this a honestly. single, it looks like a Tetley tea bag. No, man. I know. Of all things as well, like, come on, at least be Yorkshire. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, a disaster. Yeah. what a disaster. I love all these little things that pop up. Like, have you seen this other one that came up about, um, I think it was, a, it was an Amazon work, workforce area where they, that the computer suddenly becomes a screen. 
oh. to tie, count down, count down and have a, a mind moment, positive affirmation. Repeat this phrase during each expansion of the circle and the circle kind of expands. Even, even in chaos, I can feel peaceful. I notice the good while socially distant. I'm emotionally close. I mean, this is one that, you know, can you imagine it's popped up in the middle of me reporting? I break that as computer screen. <laughs> I'm about to write the report, about to write a conclusion and send this off. And you suddenly told me to have a mind moment, positive affirmation. Now, forget that. I would throw that screen out the window and then cry because these screens cost a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like, this is just another one of those things, isn't it? Go on. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, so there is this. there was this thread from um, Claire Doc Davies who says, well, what well-being initiatives at your workplace do make a difference to you? Can you think of anything? I mean, uh, they've been giving us a day off uh, for our birthday. Have they? For last year, oh. yeah. La- I think since the pandemic, they gave it last year. And I think they said they're going to give it this year. It's a nice gesture. I suppose, well, you know, uh, like I said, I, I, I deal in money and time. So if they're going to give me time, I'll take it. Thank you very much. It's, it's worth more than anything to me. So um, yeah, that's nice. Nice yeah. gesture. I'll take that. I don't want your tea bags or anything else. I'll take the time back. How about you? Well, as in for my workplace, uh, yeah, yeah. Really. or what would be a good idea? I, I, will, mean, oh, I made a little list, a pay rise. Oh, yes, yeah. you did make a list. Yeah, Go on, so tell us your list. I'd like more staff and better pay ops, better allocated okay. parking, even better if it's okay. free, regular investment in nights out or days out, meal subsidized, protected, regular, relevant teaching because that can be just a joke, proactive supervisors and supervisions, on site gym, and then a free tea bag. You know, this reminds you once when I was working the New Year, I think I was doing the Christmas shift right. in one of the hospitals. I was on call and the radiographer came to me and says, here's an envelope for you. And I thought, oh, my God, it's finally happening. Like I'm in the Back to Future movie and my future <laughs> self has given me an envelope to read. And I'm going to now be in a time machine. I'm going to yeah. know exactly what I need to do next. Yeah, yeah. And I opened it and it was a tenner. Oh. It's like a £10 note. And I'm like, why have you given me a £10 note in this envelope? Because, oh, the trust of um, giving ever, you know, because you're doing the night shift for Christmas, they're paying for dinner and that's your dinner. Oh. They actually gave me cash. I couldn't oh, believe it. But it felt amazing. You know, yeah. I, I was very happy with that McDonald's that night because oh. that was like a nice gesture. I thought it was a cool gesture. Yeah. Give me a tenner in an envelope, you know. Yeah. Things like, little things like that do make a difference. Uh, I don't know if that tea bag would make that much. I think I probably would have had the tea. Uh, yeah but I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much as I did the £10. But it does happen from time to time. You get a bit of a surprise, don't you? Yeah, these I think it's quite nice when you're uh, busy on call and then someone offers to make you tea. Uh, you know, yeah, a with a tea bag uh, given to you by the trust of me. You're, you know, you're running around for a cup of tea and then you realise, oh my God, yeah, you know, that one time they, the trust gave me a tea bag. This is the one, this is this is its moment. This is the moment that it's been waiting for to uh, make me feel better about working in this place. That's it. That's all we've been waiting for. Mm. um and there was something else that popped up um that kind of caught my eye it was um someone called claire c uh, at claire mcconnelly and this is one of the situations where you feel as though that maybe they could have done better so i feel like with the tea bag we feel they could have done better this one says 15 years two countries 16 hospitals 24 consultant trainers 10 nhs trusts this is what my training experience looked like when i raised concerns in pediatrics at, at an nhs trust at st8 and then what happened? Released from training by HEE. The end. Um, these kind of stories are scary, don't you think? Because it yeah. does make you wonder, like, okay, you look how much time this person's put in, how much effort they put in, and then at the end of it, like, what, they're just going to get kicked out because they don't matter. Like, the place doesn't need another pediatrician. It's a silly thing, isn't it? Um, 
I mean, I don't think a tea bag is going to help in this situation, is it? <laughs> it's funny because like, people have said, you know, so wrong. Have you raised this with the Royal College um, for Child Health? Raising concerns is an essential part of practice. And the reply from Claire McConnelly is, thanks, Nick. If you look at my tweets uh, with screenshots of information from the Employment Tribunal, the head of school in paediatrics involved in my case became the president of the Royal College. So, yeah, two thumbs up for that. Yeah, yeah. It's who you know, mate, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Disappointing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. the, that wasn't the only kind of story, unfortunately, and unsurprisingly, of um, toxicity within our kind of supervisors and uh, kind of governing bodies. And I guess a thread that's kind of actively doing the rounds now um, is one that seems to have emanated from the Junior Doctors UK um, Reddit. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I know we yeah. didn't really talk about this in detail much because it's still kind of ongoing before we started recording but essentially there's mm. um there's a post on junior doctors reddit um and it goes through a number of different points have you se- have you seen this or do you want me to read it out yeah re- uh, read it out yeah, yeah. Go, so go, go the, the title goes we need an official anti-gmc movement uh, i've got to say like even reading this out loud it's kind of a bit uncomfortable um mm. so it goes i'm willing to wait for pay restoration to be achieved and done for this to happen but i have a rough timeline in mind i propose that by february 2023 we should know where pay restoration stands and make plans for changing or completely getting rid of the general racist council i'm hmm. i'm looking for a name and gmc is what i've been proposed so far what i'm looking for the community leaders this isn't a matter of you and i it's in an ideal world i'll be anonymous and so will you however we need to create a structured leadership i mean i'm not entirely sure what Anyway, what what are they leading here? So, uh, we need to coordinate and create He's awareness to take down amongst the power. He's trying to be like that Guy Fawkes guy from that movie. It's funny, isn't it? The one of the mask. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we need to coordinate and create awareness amongst non-medics. Awareness of what, mate? This is point number two. Soft campaign online and coordinated movements and posts, and this can be followed by a hard campaign in the media lobbying and direct replacement of the parallel body that we must create as an alternative to the GMC, because one thing people fear more than anything seems to be some kind of vacuum. Well, it's not so much that, it's more like, I think generally, isn't there the understanding that there needs to be some form of regulation, or at least there should be. Yeah, Anyway, I, I think that, yeah, go on, yeah. And then it goes, we need a effing regulator that goes after anyone and everyone carrying out dodgy clinical care and not just doctors, not just doctors. So we can't be in a situation where a doctor can get done for doing aesthetics and Gemma from the corner beauty stop, shop is pumping people with filler into superior labial artery and half their mouth is falling off and they can get away with it because they aren't in the GMC scope. It's just so okay. Who so we're regulating Gemma from the corner shop as well? Um, so it's, it's trying to say that it should be some sort of general health uh, regulator rather than just for doctors. Um, I'm sure that's a common sentiment. I think a lot of people don't like. I, we've had this conversation before, isn't it? Like a lot of people don't like the ideas of uh, well fillers in general and Botox injections, let alone non uh, non doctors doing those things. Right? They yeah. don't. They don't like those. But it keeps going, mate. Does it keep going? It keeps going. Point six. We need a regulator that's part public and part private. We should provide some funding, but the majority of this funding funding should come from the government. Or ideally, the whole thing should be government funded. The whole steering or executive community should be seven out of ten doctors. And doctors should be represented in every part of the organisation. If someone that is regulating doctors has never worked in a ward, never done a night shift, and never carried three pages because of absences... 
that they aren't educated or equipped with the experiences to know what a doctor faces. They can't be, can't in any universe then regulate a doctor. But they can regulate Gemma from the corner shop. How this is absolute... What? I just so this is basically is like a bit of a rant, and they and yeah. they disagree with the GMC, and I get that because, I mean, there's been a lot of like racist rulings and stuff that just doesn't make any sense, and certainly um, I do kind of wonder what RFE is paying for, but I just kind of feel like this, and I and their sentiment mm. is, oh, you guys are just you know, there's gonna everyone fears a vacuum. I don't think that's it. I think it's kind of weird claims like this to like replace it with some monolith that doesn't really make any sense i mean so, it sounds like i mean you're going to replace the gmc with like another gmc but yeah, call it something absolutely. else and probably end up with the same problems because yeah. that's what happens in organizations that get powerful um this feels like one of those jerry jerry Maguire moments this probably person had a slice of bad pizza and decided to write out their, their <laughs> mission statement right out on on uh, on reddit um I mean, look, I think we can all relate to some of the sentiments here on some level, but I just think it's probably not very well thought out, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, overthrowing, I don't think I want to be involved in anything to do with overthrowing anyone because um, I don't want to be called a terrorist or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you can see where the sentiments are coming from, right? Like, they're clearly unhappy with the GMC. It's a bit like, um, yeah, it's a bit like anything Anything people are not happy with, they say overthrow it, but then the question is, like, what happens next? What do you do next? Like, who's going to take over and how do you make sure that that's not going to get corrupted and end up with the same same sort of issues? It's just, uh, I think it kind of, um, there is a whole thing um, at the moment which seems to be emanating from that subreddit and has kind of like brought its way across the Twitter. And every so often you kind of see posts on Reddit where they'll be like, oh, the virtue signalers, virtue signalers mm. on Twitter and stuff. Mm. And it's lo- loads of like angry and on accounts that seem to, you know, and you kind of see them recycling themselves on Twitter every so often to like harass people. And they seem like really angry and they keep talking about organizing. And it's never kind of completely seems clear exactly what they want in the sense that, they're like, oh, we need to organize. We need to form like a union. And, but the only thing that they seem to kind of agree on is, is that um, there are people who are telling doctors what to do that sh- frankly shouldn't be. And they don't like mm. PAs. They don't like, you know, kind of nurse specialists. They, they're, um, their kind of appreciation for people within the MDT is, well, basically of doctor supremacy. And I find them a little bit scary. I find them a little bit scary. The Doctor Supremacy. Doctor Supremacy. Literally, that's all it is. That's all they seem to care about. It's just that, like, everyone's getting paid this. Doctors should get paid more than them. And Mm. the way they go about it is in this kind of weird incel-like behavior. And also, I get the impression that some of these people aren't even, like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be like, oh, you've been like a doctor for five minutes. Like, as if that's, like, a good Mm. point to raise against them. But sometimes I'm like, where is, like, this anger just seems really like um I, I i find it disconcerting and there's plenty of stuff to be angry about and i just feel like it's really misplaced anger um, i mean the thing is like as a as a profession let okay so this person said that oh you know if by january or something we don't have a pay rise like what are you realistically going to do i mean the truth is no one no one really leaves we talk about i think there's gonna be a few points that come up here with like doctors leave doctors but no one really does no one properly leaves like we don't have i said droves of doctors are going to go to the australian droves but no one no one does and the government knows that they're going to play that for as long as they can you know this is they always take advantage of the situation of like the fact that we're actually um very bad at taking a 
a proper stand like that. Yeah. Right. Because well, we once we're in, you're in. I, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. I think there. Are, I mean, uh, to, yeah, go on. I think droves yeah. is probably. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get like a mass walkout. But you are get there are like, lots. There are people who are leaving. But yeah, yeah fair enough. But mass. not enough that you know, like the whole thing. Because ideally, you know, you'd be doing what the rail people are doing. You know, like completely just really go for yeah. it, and then you know, really show them that you. I, do you remember like in Fight Club? So I always think about Fight Club. So do you remember in Fight Club, the commissioner, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this, please go watch it if you haven't watched it. <laughs> but um, there's a, basically all the people in Fight Club who are in this club that fight each other, they're all kind of the waiters, the dustbin men, the security guards, all these kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of area of society where they're not really um, the governors and all that kind of thing. And I think the, the mayor tries to go after the Fight Clubs and then they kidnap their mayor and they tell him, listen, we're the people that look after you. We're the people that are guarding you. We're the people that bring you food. So if you come after us, we're going to come after you. Because actually, when you looked at it, although on an individual level, the waiter wasn't a big deal, the security guard wasn't a big deal, the garbage man wasn't a big deal, but together, they were a very, very powerful cohort of people. And when the commissioner, when the commissioner, I think it was the mayor, realized what he was dealing with, he just decided to stop all investigations at any sort of fight clubs whatsoever. My point is, as a collective, you're a very, very strong group of individuals, but we're not a collective about any of this because in reality, if we had no pay rise, if you really want to make a statement, we should all be leaving. I mean, that should be it. Everyone resign and everyone just stop. Just stop. No clocking off, none of those things. Just stop. Yeah. But I know I'm what I'm like. I'm not going to stop. Yeah. It's a I job think, and it pays my bills. I think generally the kind of accepted thing amongst, amongst most people is, is that the NHS in its current form just lingers on, but just kind of limps until it gradually and slowly, bit by bit, kind of morphs into something else, which is not... I mean, that's, and, that's exactly what it... I mean, that's the yeah. point, isn't it? And I've, I've, we've talked about this, like a lot of the private referrals I'm seeing coming through is all the NHS is taking too long. The NHS is taking too long. The NHS is taking too long. That's exactly what they wanted. They wanted the average person who can just about afford it to save up their money, to go to a private scanner, to go to a private doctor, to go get treated. Because otherwise, if the NHS was any good, they wouldn't do those things. So you're siphoning off a whole load of people that other, otherwise wouldn't go private, go private. Yeah, um, That's the bigger game here. And it's working from what I can tell on my very skewed uh, bit of work that I do outside of the NHS. Yeah, fair I just think that um, the, the, these kind of statements that you see come up in the Reddit and all this kind of stuff where they, they kind of talk all big. I mean, in reality, I really don't think anyone's going to be you know, making a, a splinter cell of the GMC and start a brand new GMC and then counter the GMC. Uh, and all this kind of stuff, like, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Maybe after the last strike, says, uh, when I thought we could have it, we didn't We didn't have it, we lost it all, and it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Come on, man. What's so, important? Yeah. So there's this kind of moving to a slightly different topic. Um, mm. There's a tweet from at Killer Martinis. Your periodic mm. reminder that the quote is okay. actually, the customer is always right in matters of taste, which is mm. the most hilariously bitchy way to say that actually most customers are wrong but let them buy gross shit if they want to pay for it. And I guess yeah. the reason why I brought that up is because, well, people keep voting for the Tories, so I guess, yeah. I don't know how they do it. I, I don't know how they do it. It's an amazing thing to watch, isn't it? The Tories just keep winning. And things are getting worse and worse and worse, and people still vote them in. Like, come on, you know? Uh, I don't know. Are they? Someone said that um, politics is like, um, being famous but for not as good looking people or something because like you know and uh, and I think like 
is it entertaining? Is it entertaining to to watch all this stuff that happens in the parliament and vote for these these kind of I don't know for one of a better phrase bozos bundle along and every every Englishman every Englishman oh that's funny not realise that everything else is burning around yeah exactly. <laughs> burning around them and everything's falling apart they're like yeah but you know I'm going to vote for the guy with the funny hair right I mean everyone's <laughs> yeah. voting for the guy with the funny hair I mean he's got funny hair and I was like yeah yeah I'm going to vote for the guy with the funny hair yeah and then they wonder why they they can't afford anything anymore. It's bad out there, isn't it, man? It's bad. bad Do you see that there was that news report? Um, I think I linked it here. The, guy, uh, the chap who'd broken his pelvis. So um, how old was he? So he's 87. So Karen St. Columbia Road, she sent photos from Cornwall of the shelter they built for her 87-year-old dad who fell on Monday. He waited 15 hours for an ambulance when he'd suffered seven broken ribs, two fractures to his pelvis and an arm wound. 15 hours oh for an God. ambulance. So horrendous, isn't it? Just so horrendous. I mean, you know, I, I, want, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a private ambulance service. Like, oh, okay, are they taking too long? Then, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. give me 50 quid and I'll take you. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. There's just, there must be a reason why they're not funding something as important as the as their stuff. I mean, come on, getting someone to hospital is an important thing, isn't it? Mm. But um, what do you think? Um, so, Sure, you move on to like hubris. So there was a tweet yeah, that said, yeah, "If a nurse working with you says, hey, 'Hey, I'm worried about,' stand up and start walking there before they even finish their sentence." Oh, really? Yeah. Would you do that? Would well, I, I guess? Do that? Well, with you, you have to. But I mean, you, you, you're married to a nurse, so you have you, to. Do I it. mean, it, she's yeah. worried about. If Joe it, yeah. said to me, Imran, I'd be like, I'm, oh, "Yeah, what is it? Yeah, what yeah. is it? What do you want? Just go there. Just go there because yeah. I trust her acumen." No, but like, it's not about acumen. I mean, it's your wife. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh my god, oh, why are you coming <laughs> But like, <laughs> I get like how the the person who tweeted this is obviously doing it. But, I mean, virtue signaling. It's again, yeah. lo- it's lovely, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to say. It's a lovely mm. thing to say. Oh, this would get lots of likes. I love it. Yeah, 9,600 likes, of course. Because, and mm. the implication there is, understandably, that they're going to have lots and lots of experience. And if they're worried about something, if they've got a bad feeling about this, then that's a very, that's a very sensitive indicator. But mm. like, it lacks nuance, doesn't it? And that's the problem, right? With this, yeah, like that. it's oversimplified completely. Because, like, uh, you know, if someone said to me, this is what you should be doing, then could you not walk up and say, okay, look, I've got um, six patients, okay? This one has got new episodes of Melina. This one's vomiting up bright red blood. This one has got uh, raising lactate, abdominal pain. And uh, and this one um, has just come out of surgery and the BP's dropping. So out of these six, do you think I should see whoever you want me to see first? I mean... But that's the, that's what's going through your head when you're a, when you're a doctor running around the wards. You've got these patients that you need to see that are very very unwell. Yeah. Unless someone trumps those ones on any level, you're still going to carry on with whatever list. And just because someone's going to say, "Oh, I'm just worried," when someone says, "I'm just worried about it," you've got to give some sort of context because the one you're saying you're worried about something, but what about the person who's actually got proven, you know, tearing chest pain? Mm. What do you do about that person? And so that's what I, that's what I mean. I think it, it does lack some nuance in terms of you're not understanding where the other person's coming from. If they're not running towards you, they might have something else to do. Yeah. You know, like, they might have other things going on. There is like a nugget of wisdom to be gleaned from within that whole thing, though. I, I did I did kind of find it kind of frustrating. You know, like sometimes I get calls from, from nurses who be like, oh, this person is scoring, you know, the, the new score is high. And I remember like a particular mm. example from my like nights, a person who's scoring, who had like 
who are scored because they developed a hospital-acquired pneumonia and only an hour or two before they'd been seen by a colleague and started on antibiotics. Now, that was going to take a while to kind of like make a difference to the fact that they're spiking temperatures and things. And mm. so but rather than getting frustrated with being asked the same question as again as a colleague would have done, I think um, sometimes trying to gauge what exactly they're expecting from telling you that, like, what is it that you think I should, in a, in a nice way, like, do, do you think there's something that, I should be doing on top of what's already going on. Do you think there's something that's kind of missing? That's a very interesting thing to ask someone, actually. Yeah. Sometimes I did that. Last you're time. kind of trying to find out what the expectations yeah, yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you've called me. What would you think? What do you think? What would you like me to do? Or is there anything particular you'd like for me to do? And at least yeah. then you kind of gauge. If they say, like, "I want you to see this patient," say, so, "Okay, I've got other paper to see. I'll see them yeah, as soon as exactly. Do you think I need to see them sooner than that? Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, kind of. Yeah. Because on. sometimes actually. They just want to be like, yeah, well, no, I just want to tell you, according to the bridge call, but I think they're on all the right. I'm like, okay, all right, fair enough. But mm. sometimes I think in the past, like, I would have like found it stressful because I'd have been like, okay, all right, now what? Mm. You know. Whereas, mm. like, sometimes just asking them, and they're like, I don't know, I just, you know. But you know, the, the thing is, when you said about nuance being missing, the nuance here that is missing is that you just get up and walk off. But yeah. actually, there's a conversation that needs to be had. You mm. can't just expect to run. You can't be in the middle of like I don't know doing a central line, and someone says I'm worried about something, just walk off and drop, yeah. just drop in the middle, <laughs> sit the pace like hosting in the background. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no, but you know, you said that you're worried because it doesn't work like that. There's yeah. there's there's complexities to this, isn't it? Yeah. Um, to the entire to the entire thing. Um, there was something about being a dad, wasn't there somewhere here? I can't remember. Oh yeah. So I think one? I put that in the sexism column because yeah, being a father. I think mm. it's kind of interesting because so I'll read it. Uh, it goes, your kids can see that you can name every footballer in your club, but you don't know their birthdays, oh, allergies, cheating, yeah. class or school. They can overhear your mom confront you about your serial cheating, but you never have the time for their open day. Tell them you're too busy providing. And then it goes, um, whenever you're around, everyone starts panicking because you're the larger than life human deity who must be feared and worshipped. You're not approachable, the tough guy who never smiles. Your presence means tension for everyone. Tell them you're busy providing. Whenever they try playing with you, you send them to their mother. You've never bathed or fed them. The neighborhood bars have seen more of you than your kids. You'd rather spend time hanging out with your friends and with them. Tell, tell them you're busy providing. And when I, I mean, when I saw that, I did think like, oh, it's funny because, um, I mean, fortunately, I um, use my kids' uh, name and date of birth for my passwords so how can i forget them (laughs) (laughs) but like i guess the point there is is that we kind of i guess um the thing that i thought was interesting was the kind of lies that we tell ourselves and Mm. so i mean um like for this for that example knowing every footballer in the football team like to be honest i probably could name every footballer who played who was involved in the 96 97 manchester united um, squad I could probably name every single player so like what excuse wow. yeah so what excuse do I have for like forgetting I don't know my wedding anniversary or like it just seems kind of interesting isn't it because like if you and I guess the point is if you're really if you're really invested then you'll you know do it right and mm. I think so when I read that I mean I didn't think oh this is all me because like anyone who knows me will know that I don't go to bars and stuff not because I'm a great dad, mm. but more because of my social anxiety. But, you know, <laughs> my point is, is that there are things that you kind of tell yourself sometimes that are oh, a bit difficult. Like, mm. um, but actually, that's 
probably just a lie that you tell yourself. You know what? This brings me to some a thought. You know, I'm, I, clearly, I think about things too much or something, or I take different meanings from things. That, you know, Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know, the entire show, he kept saying, I'm doing this for family. Everything oh, yeah. I do, I'm doing for this family. And I think eventually he admits that everything he's done is because he wanted to do it. He liked it and he was good at it. Mm. And it was actually for himself. Yeah. And I think um, that was an interesting distinction. When I saw that, it did make me think about everything that I'm doing in terms of like how hard or how much, or I wouldn't say hard. I mean, obviously people work harder than I do. But um all the work that you do and you do try and justify it to yourself that I'm doing it to provide, I'm doing it to provide. But then it's not just that though, is it? You are, you are doing it for yourself on some level. You have to admit that, you know, because otherwise um, you could be doing other things to, to provide for your family. You don't have to be doing this, you could be doing, do something else or maybe, I don't know, make, do less of a prestigious job or less stressful job, make as much money or, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this. So you are doing these things because hey, you're good at it, hopefully. And um, you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. And the byproduct of everything is actually, um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to provide, but that can't be the, I don't think that's the primary reason, but I think that's something that we all convince ourselves of. And I think some of this I did, unfortunately, feel like I relate to, obviously there's some things I don't, like you said, the bars and all the rest of it, but it's weird that um, there'll be some things that you just assume is a responsibility of your other half. Like if the kid gets sick, like immediately the assumption is that, my wife Robbie is going to be the one to run off and take the time off work and go sort that out. Yeah. And I've tried to consciously make that not the case. Like it, it's not just me, her, it's got to be me as well. I'll try and, um, I'll try and take time off. I'll be the person that turns up. I'll do the dropping off of school and the rest of it. But it is, um, it does hit you sometimes. Yeah. I like, why is that the, the assumption from myself and others that she's the one that's to deal with all this stuff, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think the only way you can really do it is with introspection and um, reflection and thinking about the kind of patterns that we form. Like, but when I'm at home and I'm looking after the kids, obviously, like, I'll give them dinner and do their bars and put them to bed and whatever. I can do it. When Joe's here, like, I'm suddenly, like, taking a backseat and kind of, you know, catch myself basically... I don't know. You could just, um, I think they're kind of like patterns, aren't they, that you can kind of fall into and yeah. um, take stuff for granted. So, like, dude, I mean, like, it's, I don't know about you, but like, let's say um, the kids are going to be left with you. Everyone's like, are you going to be okay with the kids? Are you going to be okay yes, with the kids? Do you want, do you Daddy want you know, the in laws to come around? Yeah, are you going to want the in laws to come around to help you? And you're like, but when you're left with the kids, no one asks you, are you going to be okay? Mm-hmm. No one no one suddenly gets in-laws to come around and help or any of those things. So why can't I do it if you can do it? You know, I've, you know, I say that. But it's just interesting. The assumption is that are you going to be okay? Like, why wouldn't I be okay? Like, yeah. what's, you know, we're both parents here. And it's not as though I can't do what you do. It's fine. Like, it's not. I know my kids don't like me very much. Yes. <laughs> they always want to have her, her instead of me. But if I'm left to, I mean, I sh- there shouldn't be an assumption that I need help. Mate. So like, Joe's mm. working all weekend and like yesterday mm. when Joe was leaving for work, literally both of the kids were like up against the kind of like lounge window and they're like oh, both no. wailing and like people walk by like and they'd see me like, <laughs> by, and, like, and, like I don't know, they must be wondering like if they should call the police or something like poor oh, children no. like, get yeah, us out, let us out. I'm like, oh no, nothing to worry about here, nothing to see here. Mate. <laughs> I had even worse, like the other day we went swimming right. and then I took my son to get a shower 
he starts screaming he wants his mum's like relax man you know <laughs> i just quit take for the shower and you can get out so put in the shower and then he starts screaming even more oh, no. i'm like look people are gonna think something's happening and we just relax <laughs> like come on calm down and then you know this is the worst bit i got the soap <laughs> and i accidentally put it onto his eyes and then he starts <laughs> And I, I saw, I swear, oh, I thought, you know what, security's oh, going to come no. and knock that door down, thinking yeah, yeah. that this kid's being hurt. And I'm like, son, oh, no. I kept saying, son, relax. <laughs> and I, had try, I was almost saying it out loud so people understand. Yeah, yeah. Soap has gone in your eyes. It's okay. We're going to wash the soap out of your eyes. Please stop screaming. Please stop screaming. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, these kids are having I want mom. I want mom. I want mom. Go away. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I'll leave. Fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel you. Anyway, you for that pain. So um, I thought, yeah, go on, yeah, go on. There was a, a, another tweet, I guess, kind of because we're getting up to time, aren't we? There was a, mm. one, I guess, that reminds me um, of, uh, so it's rule number 438 of Twitter, and that's by Rebecca Fuckner, and it says, mm. sometimes just take the loss and come back tomorrow. And that's <laughs> how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like for me, it's the opposite. It's like, and it's not the opposite. It's similar, but just take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Just whatever it is, just take the path of least resistance, move on. It's just not worth the grief. Like actually recently, uh, I was doing some telerad work and then I think someone got back to me uh, saying that I'd missed something. But the way they wrote it was a bit condescending. It was a bit like, you know, how could you miss that? And I'm like, relax, bro. Like we're both, you know, you don't need to be like rude about it. And normally I'd let it go, like whatever. But this is probably like, I must have got me a bad time. So I wrote back. No. <laughs> and I said, I don't like the condescending tone <gasps> that you use. You nice? And I think that you should reconsider the way that you give feedback. Oh, and then nice. that got sent to the clinical director. And the clinical director messaged me saying, listen, Imran, can we have a conversation, please? Hmm. So, yeah, fine. So I talked to him. And then I thought, why did I do this? I never do this stuff. I always choose a path of this. This is resistance now because now I have to have a conversation. I don't have time for a 10-minute conversation with someone I don't know. But it's actually a really nice conversation. We just end up talking about discrepancies in general. Mm. Everyone makes them. You know, I guess there are better ways of giving feedback and you'll pass that along. There's no point in having a bit of, a, you know, an altercation over it. We're all professionals. Like, yeah, 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 fine, 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 fine. I just want him off the phone. But he was actually quite nice. But I was like, okay. Why did I do this to myself? This was not the rule of Imran. Path of least resistance was to forget about it and move on. Don't care what people think. Anyway. Yeah, sometimes you go. Yes, I fall into it. Sometimes, you know, I help with pushback, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, after a while, you know what, mate? I'm not taking that. Don't be yeah. like that. Uh, so that person yeah. didn't deem to reply, though, obviously. No, he discussed it with me and he said, listen, I know this person. They probably didn't mean it in the way that's come across oh, like. It's just the way they are. Really? It's just the way they are, is it? Really? But then I thought... Well, they didn't I just reply, like, oh, though, did they? Fine. Yeah, no, they didn't reply because I said, look, don't bother taking any further. It's fine. Just leave it. It's just maybe you got me on a bad day. I just didn't like the way they said that, but it's fine. Like for me anyway, maybe it's for everyone, hopefully for anyone else that does read or anything in general, I don't see these as discrepancies or mistakes. I always see them as like, it takes me uh, in the first minute when I get these things, I think, oh, great, I'm the worst radiologist that ever existed. Here we go. Like, I'm terrible. And then I kind of think, you know what, Imran, Take, get back up. You've probably done, like, oh, thousands of scans that you do. You've got this. It happens. And then I look into it, figure out where, how I missed it, how could I not missed it, mess around with the, the system, you know, like the images, manipulate it again and see if I could find it in any other way. And then you learn, learn from it, move on. I mean, that's it. You're done. So um, anyway. Happens to the best of us, man. Yeah. Even though I'm not the best of us, it happens. So, yeah. Anyway, learning points, that's all they are. <laughs> yes. Cool. cool. So hopefully you got your one CPD. 
Yes. It's a learning point for you. Thank there you. you go, everyone. Thank you. So um, uh, thank you, for everyone, for listening. I think we've gone on for a fair bit of time. Hmm. Um, hopefully you're, you're still listening. Thank you, as always. <laughs> um, any last words, Therusha? Uh, nice knowing you. Those nice will be, okay. be my last words. Yeah. I think that's always going to be the last words. Yeah. Anyway, cool. All right, then. <laughs> everyone have a great week. Look yeah, after each other okay. and don't get cancelled. Bye. Bye.